We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Esports Biz Show. We are live from NYC in the heart of the city. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson, an esports and entertainment attorney at the Jacobson Firm in New York City. This week, we'll be discussing esports tournament organizers. Just as a heads up, you know, nothing here is intended as legal advice. All of the discussions are just for educational purposes only. So yes, tournament organizers, the companies actually put the tournaments together. Some of the more well-known ones, such as ESL, OGC, MLG, DreamHack, and UGC. So this week's guest, we have Cody Luongo, who's an esports veteran. He's a writer for Esports Insider, amongst many other publications, including ESPN, RotoWire, and Ginks. He's also the head of communications for UGC, the Ultimate Gaming Championship. UGC hosts a variety of tournaments and competitions across the country and a bunch of different titles. Thank you for joining us, Cody, and welcome. So I know I briefly... Thank you. Well, thank you, thank you. So I know I briefly introduced UGC, but tell me a little bit more about them and what they do. Yeah, sure. So UGC is a, uh, I mean, we are most well known as a tournament organizer because that's what we've been doing for the longest. Uh, UGC is obviously stands for Ultimate Gaming Championship, and it is actually one of the oldest active esports companies in the world, frankly. Um, it was founded in 2004 by our CEO and founder, Matt Jackson. Um, he started a land center called the Game Attic at the time at a, in a small town in uh, Decoin, Illinois, no one's, which no one has ever Where's heard that? of. I had never heard of it. It's in southern Illinois, um, out in the middle of nowhere, but that's where he grew up and, and started the business. And uh, little by little, he formed the team, went through the, the trials of running an esports company. I mean, starting it 
quite frankly, before esports was a household word, right? It was competitive gaming at the time, or uh-huh. no one really knew what it was back then. Um, but he took it to where it is today. So, um, yeah, it, in terms of UGC, like I said, we're most well known for our tournaments, but the company actually has several arms, which is turning it into more of an esports conglomerate, right? Because we have our live events division, we have our uh, studio division, which is a content engine, uh, which we talked a little bit about. Uh, prior to, to going live here, um, we have weekly shows that goes live, much like prediction with esports hosts, people that are experts in the space, and we dial in hosts and guests from around the world um, with very professional uh, graphics packages, producers, directors. Um, we have a manufacturing division, so we manufacture clothes and esports apparel, backpacks, mouse pads, um, customizable options as well. Um, and we also do with that digital fabrication. So we build, uh, we 3D model and then build our stages, our props, um, and a lot of things that we incorporate into our live events. Uh, There is also the, um, we have our online competitive gaming platform, which is UGC UGC Esports. So people can go log on from anywhere around the world and compete for prizes, money, ranks, and things like that. It's still in its beta phase, but it's uh, one of the things that we're constantly improving on the technology side. And right now we're actually throwing a uh, Apex Legends event for $4,000. It's a derby style. So you can go and compete and submit your scores over the course of two weeks. And then you actually get to play against the U.S. Army Esports Apex Legends teams. It's a bit of a mouthful, but uh, you play for them, play for money, and it's uh, about fostering a good competitive experience for everyone. And and, uh, yeah, just supporting the ecosystem that is esports. So how's that for an intro? Well, I mean, that's... (laughs) sounds like they definitely have their hand in a lot of different areas you know it's very yes, interesting sir. that you know f- they're taking the live event production and helping with the merchandising and building in their own content platforms to almost develop their own on-air talent you know i think that it's a very unique approach and you know as you said they're more of like an esport conglomerate more than just a tournament organizer at this point correct so, you know just to elaborate a little bit more on some of the responsibilities of a tournament organizer their biggest thing is you know they handle the logistics for the tournament and the participants helping with their flights their travel their hotel and actually putting the event together making sure that you know the setup is there that all the gaming rigs and the peripherals and whatever setup you need to compete is there they bring the technicians in to make sure everything works they also help hire the actual talent involved in the presentation of the event the shoutcasters, the announcers, the sideline reporters, really all the different aspects that go into producing this kind of event. They also coordinate the media coverage and handle press. And then I know one of the biggest things and, you know, something that's in your wheelhouse is handling the actual marketing and promoting of the event, doing things to get people to come to the event to enjoy it and to see the live competition. So tell me a little bit more of how you kind of create excitement to try to move the masses to come check out a tournament. Yeah, sure. I mean, if we're talking about marketing specifically, um, I think with each event, it presents its own separate challenge. Um, for example, I, so I've been in the space for about a year and a half now with UGC specifically doing um, event operations and things like that. Uh, and being on the communications PR team, we handle marketing, obviously, myself primarily leading that charge. Um, but it's different. I think that's above all, I mean, we're a company that we're not 
rolling out events like ESL is, where they have, uh, I don't even know, it seems like 100 events a year, right? Mm-hmm. We, we focus in on, on single sort of niche events, uh, so to speak. So I think that um, it's important for us to make every event special and feel different. So um, give me and, an example of, you know, niche. Like what, what is the recent thing that you guys felt was a little bit different than what everyone else is doing? Sure. Yeah, uh, we did. So for those of you who don't know, we hosted an event called the Halo Classic. It was a Halo 3 LAN, and it was actually the biggest LAN in 10 years for Halo 3. So a game that was released in 2007. Wow, um, a decade old. And they're still playing it. A decade old. It was a game that was at the it was at the height of esports, frankly, between 2007 and 2009. So it was a game with a lot of nostalgia about it. Uh-huh. Um, so when we presented this, um, we were contacted by 343 Industries, which are the developers of Halo uh, now, right? But they're also incorporated with the Halo Championship Series or HCS. And they had reached out to us um, telling us about their, their grassroots program. So mm-hmm. a content uh, creator support system for you know, content creators, TOs, and, and people of that nature that are supporting Halo. And they wanted us to do an event. Um, so at that time in competitive Halo, uh, they were ceasing operations of, of sanctioned H5 events, HCS was. Okay. So we thought, what can we do inside Halo that's going to have the most impact? And we, we looked back. We recognized that Halo 3 was a staple in competitive gaming. Mm-hmm. That's how I got involved in, in esports and how, frankly, a lot of the members at UGC did. Um, so we decided to go for it. And we got the name down, which was the Halo Classic. We had a very, very appreciable graphics package. If you look at the logo, it's neon. It has that cyberpunk feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so just from the minute it was released, it was sort of like catching lightning in a bottle because like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with Halo 5 eSports or Halo eSports in general. And then, boom, Halo 3 drops in your face. And it's a nostalgic uh, feeling. It was a super nostalgic feeling. And it took, uh, I mean, we were getting press around the world on Kotaku, Dixerto, some of the top sites because it was it was unprecedented as of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's bringing the modern eSports feel how big esports is today as compared to back then is light years apart, right? So it's bringing that flavor, that uh, broadcast expertise to this game, this space at this time. Um, so it's completely new, it's completely fresh. Wow, I mean, it's great. It's, you know, you're really kind of figuring out who your demographic is, which is, you know, a more highbrow consumer who's kind of grown up with Halo, grown up watching professional Halo, and you give it to a throwback to Halo 3, where a lot of former pros come out? Like, what was, like, the actual event response like? Uh, it was explosive, absolutely electric. I mean, and it was a great risk in doing it. I mean, when we first announced, we had the tournament limited to 32 teams, mm-hmm. uh, teams of four with an optional coach, and they sold for about $200 each. Uh-huh. Uh, and we thought you know, maybe we'll get 32 teams. And we ended up selling the 32 passes in less than 24 hours. Wow. And we decided to open up another 32 and those sold out again in 24 hours. So we had sold 64 team passes in 48 hours. Um, and then it, it just kept going. I mean, we're call, literally calling the venue saying, we need more space. Hmm. And then <laughs> unlocking the next a good phone call. 
Yeah, it's always I mean, a good was, phone call to get. Yeah, it was an exciting. It was an exciting time for us. Um, and like I said, I mean, everyone respected it. They thought it was new. It was exciting to, to watch unfold, and it was exciting for us as well to, to produce it. Well, yeah. So I mean, it seems like in order to you know generate this appeal and interest, you have to kind of think outside the box and try to be proactive while actually really knowing your demographic and. Like you said, you went with the neon colors to give it a more nostalgic 80s kind of feel where it's like, oh, we're going back to retro days of 2008 when we used to play Halo 3. Yeah. You know, so it's the before Xbox One, like, you know, the old days. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe to look good. We all know how great you look and feel when your suit fits well. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and denied in your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. Now you really have no excuses to wear clothing that doesn't fit. When you're selling products online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming, expensive, there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? Well that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, saves money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. No matter what you're selling on, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, our listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. One of the biggest things that tournament organizers look at is the different ways they make money. So in mm-hmm. addition to you know entrance fees, ticket sales, and the like, they have merchandise sales. I know you mentioned you guys help create custom merchandise. So, you know, there could be tournament-specific stuff or just general, you know, Halo Classic stuff. So, you know, that's definitely one big avenue of revenue. And then another one that you started to hint on is 
know, streaming rights. And this has become one of the most lucrative areas where different providers, either whether it's on a non-exclusive or an exclusive basis, are actually the official streaming platform for the tournament. So if you wanted to see the Halo Classic, it would exclusively be streamed on Twitch or YouTube Gaming, whatever platform negotiates for this. In the recent years, there's been now TV broadcasting fees. You know, you have a bunch of stations in the U.S., ESPN, NBC, TBS, that are broadcasting live esports events. So, you know, you're dealing with the tournament organizers in order to receive the license to actually televise these events. It's also expanding across the globe with, you know, Germany Esports 1, and then the U.K. with, you know, Ginx TV that was recently bought by Rupert Murdoch Sky TV. So, you know, it's just very interesting to see all the different ways that tournament organizers are able to monetize stuff. Some of the other important things are through ad revenue on these streams, you know, during the broadcast, as well as on the saved content. If there's any player interviews, match recaps, behind-the-scenes footage, these are all additional opportunities for the tournament organizers to make money. So then, you know, we get to the most lucrative thing, which is really the sponsorship and the brand partners. So obviously the amount of money and the sponsorship activation varies depending on the deliverables, but anywhere from just being the official chair or headset to a much larger in-tournament activation where you have a production display and you're giving the opportunity to create some kind of interactive opportunity or exhibition to showcase your product to engage with the consumers so do you kind of handle any of that kind of stuff or what kind of yeah, stuff i work i work with in sponsorships and partnerships right now i mean uh, we're at a state in the company where everyone kind of handles it a little bit but uh, it goes through the higher levels or the higher people in the chain rather that will address sponsorships and partnerships but i totally agree with you i mean yeah, sponsorships, any offset of cost is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people don't quite realize how, I mean, when you're at the level that UGC is and ESL, MLG, people don't realize how sophisticated of an, of an operation that hosting a tournament is. Like a, uh, like a, so give us an idea. Like, I'd love to know a little bit more. Sure. I mean, what is it, 64 I mean, teams, four persons a team? What kind of... Uh, well, if yeah, if we're talking, I mean, I'll revert to the the Halo Classic, right? Um, that we just did one three weeks ago. It was the second iteration in that series in Atlantic City. Um, we're a team based out of the St. Louis area, so obviously you're talking about flights um, for our whole team, sourcing people to come and help with the broadcast, uh, volunteers. Uh, you're working with the hotels for rooms. I mean. There's there, there's so much on an operational level, and then obviously setting it in place in those standards and procedures, uh, the tournament itself. I mean, it's a bit it's a incredibly large project. I mean, if we're starting from the beginning, it's obviously you have to, um, you have to secure your sponsorships and partnerships off the gate. Otherwise, you're taking a huge risk uh, of uh, monetarily, right, financially. Um, who's covering the prize pool? Uh, is there so, is there someone that could sponsor the flights or um, uh, someone that could help offset any of these other costs and expenses? Right, um, you really have to address that at, at the at the 
before you can even really move forward. Otherwise, it's just a, it's an insane risk when you're talking of prize pools of $50,000 and upwards. And our last was a $50,000 prize pool. So had, I know, you know, sometimes in the traditional brand world that I've worked in, it's like, okay, you want to get me to sponsor an event? Like, have you done it before? Like, you know, sometimes they want to see, like, a track record or, like, this is the first Halo 3 tournament in, you know, however many years. How do you know it's going to be successful? Like, you know, how do you kind of explain it to the brand so they really kind of grasp what you're trying to do? Um, insanely creative sponsorship decks. Um try to you just got to pitch the flavor in the feel so like for halo classic we touched on the nostalgia we had absolutely insane impressions and metrics on social media i mean people are coming out every which way trying to get involved um and then also talk about the influencers so if if, if i'm a potential sponsor i'm interested in the impressions and the reach um and then more importantly like really activating and resonating with this audience so if you can get them uh, give them some sort of sponsorship package that activates in a cool way. Like we, we worked with a UK based clothing apparel line called no sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a partnership with them in which, um, we gave them media rights to our footage after the event that no one else had access to. And they, they produced these videos for us that were engaging and it helped drive to their sales and they had commercial stream space. Um, and they loved Halo, like they loved the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm just speaking on this event specifically, but they can really drive that culture, that flavor of what makes this game exciting, what makes esports exciting. Um, and that's just a win-win for, for both of us. So it's kind of like taking the track record that UGC has established and these are the events we've done, this is the kind of impressions with, okay, this is the interest. These are some of the more high-profile guys that are on board and want to get involved. And then from there, right. you're able to really quantify it, it seems. Yeah, yeah, essentially. I mean, again, you talk about the influencers that are maybe your talent, for example, uh, and even touch on their um their network, right? So if we're working with Walshy, David Walsh, we might be able to do something with Red Bull. Um, because he's but, yeah, just selling what you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, as of recently, okay. just went on, which is legendary. Well, so now we know a little bit more about you know what they do and how they make money. So which organizers, you know, other than UGC, which we know is great, do you think you know run some really effective tournaments and why? Uh, I would say ESL, Electronic Sports League, is at the top of the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been doing it for just a little bit longer than we are, but they have a global team around the world. They obviously have their partnership with Intel, uh-huh. which allows them to do incredible things. Um, you know, $500,000 prize pools, 250K just year long. Um, and they have the top of the line PCs and integration and partnerships so it's that, just uh, enable them to the best events in the world. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else that you feel like is, you know, doing some, something well or unique, you know, that's really trying to position themselves a little differently within the market? Or is everyone trying to go after the same kind of games? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I know that we certainly take a different approach um, because the, it's it's incredibly difficult to break into games like Counter-Strike, right? Where it's like 
ESL sort of has this chokehold on it. I mean, in terms of being the top of the top and we're, that's what we're interested in, in, in getting or achieving, right? Um, obviously, I appreciate what MLG has done. Um, you know, they're absolute pioneers and visionaries in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of interesting to see what's happening now with them, with franchising and Call of Duty. But I mean, it's it's another, it's kind of like a cornering the market, right? They have Call of Duty and they were doing Overwatch League and two successful esports like they look great the tournaments look amazing like, I, I would love to get out to one of them one day well you know you, oh, it seems like they're going to be rotating cities so you never know when it's going to be near you like you know from yeah, New York give me, give me to Philly St. Louis COD team right St. Louis and oh. Sh- Chicago doesn't seem that far right yeah, Chicago has hours. a team too yeah so yeah so That's I, cool. so you know just kind of brushing forward on this so how do you think technology advancements and you know larger audiences especially as more stadiums and arenas put on events how do you think tournaments will change what's the future here oh man um tech is the most it has the most potential out of everything for changing the way we observe tournaments um how like so? uh, an example an example would be in, uh, so I went to IM Chicago and their AT&T is one of their partners and they give you these little wristbands and every time it, it, the wristband syncs with the API of the game, which was Counter-Strike. So when a bomb is being planted, every time it ticks, your wrist is ticking and you look around the stadium with thousands of people in it. And they're looking at their watch? Well, you, they're, they're blinking, you know what I mean? So it creates like an immersive, super immersive experience. So... API integration, I mean, you could really do anything. It, it could be if someone shoots a chicken in Counter-Strike, it triggers something to make confetti drop from the ceiling. Uh-huh. Um, you, you don't really know what's going to come next, but certainly API integration with stadium integration is for sure the future for making um, tournament experience feel immersive. And that is super important to a game. Um from a spectator standpoint, because when you're sitting in the in a in a in a stadium in a seat watching, if the sound isn't sound right, if it's not hitting your chest, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the bass, everything, um, it doesn't have that same flavor or feel as if it does. You know, if the lighting isn't right, and that's another thing. Obviously, the lighting can work with the API as well. So that that is, in my opinion, going to be the next big game changer. Is really finding new ways to integrate that into the, the tournament experience so like you know when you win the round you have fireworks that go off or like if yeah. the bomb blows up the arena shakes a little bit right like you can really make you it kind of like a disney ride where like yeah you know like you feel the flame when the flamethrower comes out <laughs> i don't know exactly exactly i mean it could be anything that's the thing it's it's just whoever is able to come up with that and those ideas are crazy sounding but that would be cool you know, if a yeah, I mean, stadium shook, shakes, if a bomb goes off in CSGO or something like that. Right, you know? just like your chair, your chair vibrates a little bit when, you know, the red, or like chicken, you know, when you, you get a kill shot and like the whole place goes red from blood, you know, like all the lights just go red. The whole place is like you just got blooded, you know. So I think sure. that there could be a lot of, you know, unique advancements trying to really bring in, you know, the multimedia angle with the music and audiovisual and the lighting and 
you know, then things that stimulate your senses, whether it's, you know, a brush of air or a little shake in your seat where, like, you're really paying for more the experience. Like, it's a ride. Like, the same way you went to, like, the Back to the Future ride in Universal where, like, you're in, like, a car and you go forward and back and you're really watching something on a screen, but there's this whole other aspect of it that makes it more than that, you know, makes it an experience, makes it a ride. So I definitely think that it's going to make it very interesting. And, you know, as the stadiums get bigger, you're going to just have more people, which, you know, more people means more money, which means you can do more things. Yeah. And that adds to the experience as well. You know, the, the, the atmosphere of the crowd, it's, (laughs) you can't really control that per se, but when you have, uh, in a whole sea of people around you that are getting just as excited about seeing a headshot or a dope play or some high IQ thing in the game, it adds to that experience. Right. And I think that overall, yeah, especially with the tech, it's just going to get better and better. And just being able to kind of like amplify that to like, whoa, that was a crazy kill that the whole place just went blood red. Like, you know, just to really kind of play on more of your senses and just watching it. I think that that's what people are going to love. Like, that's the next level of all of this. The VR, I don't know if, like, maybe there's a VR component where you put on the headset and you're, like, actually following a guy. Where, like, you can, you know, you go from player, you can scroll from player to player to where, you know, you're first following this Overwatch guy as he's running around the map. And, you know, seeing what he sees. Sure. Yeah. So why not? Right. I mean, you can make it happen if it's well received. Would you enjoy that if you were, you know, at a Overwatch game and you could put on your VR and essentially run around with Jake as he's, you know, running and getting ready to kill people? Like get that first person perspective? Yes. Short answer, yes. I mean, my ultimate dream one day, I don't play Overwatch, but if I could just put a chip in my brain or something and be in like a virtual world and I'm like a, a Spartan in a Halo game or a soldier in Call of Duty, that is, that is going to join in the party. Yeah, I'm in it. I might never come back to the real world. I mean, I'm just going to be there forever. <laughs> nowadays, virtual reality is the real world in most people's cases. Pretty much. Yeah. It's all digital. So, yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else that, you know, you'd kind of want to add about, what UGC is or any kind of new projects you guys are working on or upcoming? Sure. I mean, uh, I might've mentioned this at the top of the show, but we are hosting a $4,000 online apex legends event called the apex predator series, second strike. So it's the second iteration from, uh, a partnership that budded with the U S army esports. How do you sign which up is for the U S Army's? Uh, you can sign up on our, on our website, UGC esports.gg. GG, guys, our, remember, uh, dot GG. GG. Okay. No dot coms. Yeah, you could go there, sign up. Uh, other than that, I mean, definitely follow us on Twitter. We have a lot of really cool things coming up. We're updating um, all of our web stuff. We're going to have a really good-looking site with some cool things to announce soon and maybe a little teaser, an upcoming event. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, check us out at UGC.GG or follow us on Twitter. I think all our social is at UGC events. Um, yeah, we're just trying to do cool and different things in this industry and uh, make a name for ourselves and um, just serve the audience, really, and support the ecosystem. So we're all in this together. 
Yeah, I mean, you know that's, what I mean? yeah, I mean, that's the key. I definitely, you know, feel the passion. And I love what you guys are doing. So now, you know, I like to kind of wrap up things with three questions. So, what's your favorite video game to play? You know, you can give me two or three if you can't select one. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Halo, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'm gonna say RuneScape. Okay. People might hate me for saying that, but I love that I game. Mean, whatever you enjoy. So now, what's your favorite games to watch? Uh, Counter Strike, hundred percent. And I think that's just final. Yeah, CS okay. is, is the king. And so, who's your favorite, you know, video game character? Like Mary, Yoshi, any of these, anyone yeah. through video game history? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, let's say. Just Master Chief. Okay. Stay with the hill. Yeah. That's my that's I'm the biggest nerd. Okay. Well, you know, thank you so much for coming on, Cody. And you know, I love what you guys are doing. Make sure to follow him. His Twitter is there and you know, check me out, Justin J E S Q. Make sure to check out the previous broadcasts and podcasts on prediction. We're on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to check back for the next episode. Everyone, have a great night, and we will see you soon.